0: Hey guys, Tyler Mahoney here, and I'm Jeff Falkenberry, and we're back for another edition of the Endless Season Outdoors podcast. We are here kind of nearing the end of March, it's March 21st, and uh, we're super excited. There's a lot of really cool things going on in the outdoor world right now. We've got crappie fishing that's picking up, catfish has been good, turkey season's coming up, Um, we've got a lot of things to talk about, it'll be really fun. Uh, One of the things we want to talk about first, though, just kind of getting on a schedule for the show. Yeah. Uh, We're looking at doing the first Thursday of every month here for the rest of the year where we are going to have a new episode launching on the first Thursday of every month. So just kind of wanted to get you guys set up so you had your expectations of knowing when we'd be coming out with another episode. We've been really busy here the last few weeks and we kind of got behind this month, but we are sticking to that schedule moving forward. First Thursday of every single month. There's gonna be a new endless season outdoors podcast. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and with that, let's let's talk a little uh, a little outdoors. So um, I was out at Truman yesterday. Jeff's out there every day, <laughs> uh, but I was covering the Crappie Masters tournament yesterday. There's right. 39 teams pretty unreal i've yet to verify it completely but it took 16.74 pounds to win and what i need to verify is i think that might be a a new lake record in crappie masters on truman i think that probably shattered (laughs) yeah the record on truman uh dalton
1: and larry Gorham, both really good friends Mm -hmm. of mine father and son team i've been blessed enough to watch dalton grow up uh uh, turkey hunting and fishing and, and bow hunting and everything else really good folks and those guys, man, they they got the live scope strapped on their boat, and they got it dialed in. And you know that's what we've seen over the last two or three years is when the the lifestyle of fishing come out, we started seeing these extreme crappie weights in crappie tournaments. And uh, you know those fish were always there, and you know Truman always took. You know I've seen it take up to thirteen pounds, um, even over um, pre live scope. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like our buddy hunter bowling yeah he had 14 something and what to third four, place yeah 1485 which is still great
0: that normally wins yeah
1: um, yeah <laughs> you're third. talking over a two pound average on Chimney mm-hmm. lake and that's just fantastic i mean congrats to hunter for doing that mm-hmm. but then for these guys to come in with over 16 pounds my land unreal but it just shows us what this fishery is is and what it's gonna be because you know, with Truman getting started in the late '70s, early '80s, um, I've always said this lake is still young, and it's still got a long ways to mature, and it, and it's still going to do great things for years to come, um, because it's a well managed fishery, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just not been around long enough for guys like us to see its full potential, and I hope our kids and grandkids and stuff like that do, but. You know, having such a good shad crop and stuff like that is, is really key to, to making Truman Lake what it is.
0: What was really interesting yesterday that a lot of the teams were talking about, the teams that found them and that were in the top five, they found the fish really shallow. So they were fishing 15, 20 feet of water, but the fish were only 2 to 4 feet below the surface. They were so high up that they almost couldn't see them on live scope. Yeah. Um, and the only reason that Darren Langford and Hunter Bowling figured it out, because usually it's a lot of carp and trash fish that are up that high, they went and dropped on one, two pounder, like, oh my gosh. And that's kind of what light bulb went yeah. off. And that's how they found them. same thing with larry and dalton uh funny thing about them they hadn't fished the lake since january yep. so they hadn't practiced that's the best just yep. go do what you know to mm-hmm. do they went to a, a spot that they had historically done well
1: on. yeah and those fish two to four feet under the surface i mean that's something that's learned i mean you know you've always had that uh oddball fish where you've been out fishing you're fishing 10 foot deep or whatever and you know, your kid takes and casts out in the middle of the cove and reels it back and and under a cork or whatever and catches a fish and you're like, oh, that was a stroke of luck, mm-hmm. you know. But but those fish are there. They've always been there. Um, just. Nobody targeted them two foot under the surface. Yeah, you know?
0: it just makes you wonder how like just for how many years people drove right by going to the trees, dipping trees, yeah. and they were going right over crappie. Every bass fisherman out there is probably
1: watching this, like, yeah, we can catch them on a big spinnerbait all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> what I <mean>? yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, so nothing nothing new there. It was it was pretty neat. I did get to meet actually one of the Turban Lake Fishing Intel members there. It was his first time competing in a crappie masters event he was using. He had inherited his dad's boat. It was, uh, I believe, a 1980s boat. I can't remember the brand, but he was super excited, and he did okay. I think he had five fish for seven pounds, but it was kind of really neat seeing his story, how he's kind of getting into it, and uh, just a really good guy, and he uh, did a nice little video for Truman Lake Fishing Intel as well, so there will be Quite a few little videos, did an interview with Hunter and Darren that we'll have up at Truman Lake Fishing Intel, an interview with uh, uh, Willie Schrader was the guy that I'd met there. So we'll have a lot of good coverage up at Truman Lake Fishing Intel. Um, you know, one of the things with the lake right now, Jeff, is you're seeing it, you're on there every day. Conditions are kind of crazy. Lake's way high. So what's what's the latest there? Right, yeah. You know, we've got
1: a lot of big spring rain, and the ground was already saturated from all the snow and mm-hmm. the deep freeze that we had. So, um, we got a, a good ton of rain, and, and the lake got up to 721.53 as of Sunday. Mm. And um, then they started running some gates. So, now it'll start hopefully going back the other way, barring we don't have any huge rains or anything. Um, we do have some small rains still to come, but. Uh, it got up pretty big and you know it was fun for a while Mm -hmm. it's it's fun to an extent and then once it gets so big then it's like okay it could turn around go the other way yeah and that's for me 100 percent you know i love to fish it when it's rising Mm -hmm. i love to fish it and i like to fish it up to 710 and 712 and 713 715 and then when it keeps going Mm -hmm. then it starts getting a little rough and and what it does is the lake was down for so long we had such a dry summer and even a dry fall really Mm -hmm. Um, that all the grass and the trees and everything, bushes and willows and everything grows up. Well, you're fishing that rise all the way up um, just past normal conditions, but then once it gets past, you know, maybe 715, 717, well then it's up in grass that's three feet tall and Mm -hmm. and this and that and and that's that's no fun. Yeah. Now the crappie will get in the bushes Mm -hmm. some if it stays long enough.
0: Right. But, We'll see. Well, and that's what some of the guys were talking about yesterday, that they thought if the weather stayed warm that the crappie might get up there here pretty soon.
1: Looks like we have some warmer weather. Um, they are running the dam. They were running 33 CFS. So, you know, it can go down just as fast as it came up if we don't have any more rain. So um, current, you know, on some of the main lake points where they're in the bushes and stuff, they start pulling that, Then fish will get in there in that current. They'll get up and around them mm-hmm. bushes. And, uh, but like I said, if it's falling real fast, they won't stay there
0: long. Yeah. Yeah. So on the topic of crappie, so let's barring the, the water level, I mean, what's kind of your forecast for like the next month, month and a half on, on what crappie you're going to be doing, what it's, when's the time to be out?
1: Well, right now we're toward the end of March. So we're going into a a really big transition within the next 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, that these fish are going to stage in these creek channels to spawn, mm-hmm. and then they're going to move up to the shoreline uh, for spawn. The bucks will go first, um, then the females will go in, lay the eggs, and then the bucks will stay and garden. Um, and it only takes—it's a really short window of what it takes for these eggs to become fry. Mm-hmm. So this happens all in in a matter of um, you know hours. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I want to say it's something like 30, 33 hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. Is, totally but it's somewhere in there um, that those eggs become fry and then they're gone Mm -hmm. so they're not up there for a really long time Um, but these fish are going to go from pre-spawn to spawn to post-spawn all in one big uh, we'll say 60-day window Um, and that's going to start right now yeah Um, there's a lot of fish staging in these creek channels right now if you've been out catching crappie you've been seeing them big old solid bellies one they're full of shad two they're full of eggs Mm -hmm. Um, even the big black crappies We've caught a lot of black crappie, and, and a lot of them are really nice females. Um,
0: but And those usually spawn yeah. first, usually. Yeah. Now, on Truman, it's a dirtier water lake. Sometimes in clear water lakes, they might spawn in 10 to 15 feet if the water's really clear. But they'll get up pretty shallow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be
1: throwing sliders or a jig under a cork, you know, a foot deep or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of times you'll see them eat it yeah. um, when they're up there on the on the shoreline
0: so there's going to be a lot of bank fishing opportunities um is there any particular parts of the lake that lend themselves better to others for those who don't have boats that want to try it from the bank no i mean there's core ground all the way around Mm, the edges but
1: the thing to remember is you know the closer to the river the dirtier the water is going to be so that water is going to warm faster and if if you know Those are the ones that you want to chase spawning first because it's going to hit that higher water temperature. Now it takes the length of day, when the length of day gets close to 14 Mm. hours, that's when your crappie are going to spawn. The water can be whatever degrees it wants to be, but it takes that length of day, Mm. which has a factor in all the outdoors, whether it's Mm. deer, turkeys, fish, whatever. That length of day gets close to 14 hours and that water temperature gets up over 55, 58 to 60 degrees. That's when it's going to happen. And it's going to happen in your dirtier water first because it's going to warm first. So, you know, when you're chasing this crappie spawn, start out in the, in the dirtier water and then follow it down. You'll catch them fish on the bank and as you start to stop catching those fish on the bank and you start catching them where they're five, six, eight feet out away from the shoreline, move on down the lake to the next kind of stage of water clarity because now those fish are going to be moving in because it's getting up to that temperature. And once same deal and just keep moving Mm -hmm. down the lake and you can make that spawn last a really long time Mm -hmm. instead of fishing one little area that you normally fish you know you might get a week week and a half of good fishing you can follow that spawn all the way down the lake if you just pay attention to the water color and water temperature and that length of day
0: yeah i'm kind of curious to see what uh Kind of boat traffic and fishing pressure is going to be. Have you been seeing very many boats out yet here last week yeah. or two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be extreme. I mean, I don't know if it'll be like last spring,
1: you know, COVID hit. Everybody was off work and right. everybody was in the outdoors, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. But um, it's busy. Mm-hmm. It's really, really busy. Um, people bought boats that's never owned boats before. Right. Um, you know, it's
0: everybody's getting in the
1: outdoors. hmm
0: yeah, I mean, boats are going nuts. I mean, Angler's Port, who helped sponsor Truman Lake Fish tells like, if you don't get your boat order in now, you might not get it until the freaking summer's over. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, shoot, if you don't have a boat now, you, you might already be, be hurting. Yeah. So, um, it's going to be a wild one. Hopefully, it's going to be good, again, for uh, just the fishing industry around, around Truman. I think it will be. These marinas, um, the
1: towns, you Go. know, all that, it can use a boost. Um, I'm not going to say stimulate the economy uh, they're trying to find their own way to do that mm-hmm. but but these marinas you know in 2019 had a flood they were out of work for a while yeah. I mean flooded out yeah. no income zero um, so they did make some repairs you know places like Bucksaw mm-hmm. places like Long Shoal um, all of them Stair Creek all of them um, they were out out of commission mm-hmm. and so now we need a really good
0: bounce back for them folks yeah. and, and I hope they get it absolutely um so one of the things and we'll talk more about this in more detail on the next episode but one of the big things on truman coming up in april um i believe it's the 18th 19th i'd have to look for sure um the big bash bash oh. is is coming to truman yep. um they, first time yep first time big bass bash for those of you guys who don't know Basically, it's a two-day tournament. They have windows where you can weigh in fish, and whoever weighs in the biggest bass of the whole weekend wins $100,000. And it's really meant for amateur fishermen. Um, If you're a guide on the lake, you're not allowed to fish it. If you're you're a pro fisherman, I'm pretty sure they have rules where you're not allowed to fish it. Um, So it is truly meant for an amateur angler, and it... uh, there's a lot of folks that think that uh, the big fish might be coming off of Truman this year. It's so. kind of a fun deal because it takes one bite. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you don't have to, you don't have to put together a limit. You don't have to nothing. You need
0: one big one. Right. I was talking to the guy who runs it uh, a couple weekends ago, and I asked him what the biggest fish was. They've never broken eight pounds. Yeah. Um, I think they had an upper sevens or seven and a half, if I remember what he said correctly. Um, but I think a friend of mine won it with a seven-something. Okay. Uh, Justin Swast, mm-hmm. I believe he won it one year. And, you know, it, uh, there's been a lot smaller than six-something, five and a half and up has won it, um, depending on, you know, just the conditions. It's traditionally held at Lake of the Ozarks draws three thousand boats um so one of the things why they're bringing it over to truman is to kind of help reduce pressure on lake of the ozarks because boating season starts picking up and for those of us around truman probably know how crazy lake of the ozarks can get when that starts picking up you're talking roller waves down by the dam oh, for like yeah. two three feet and uh yeah it can be pretty dicey so they're kind of spreading that out and we're hoping it's going to be the beginning of uh, many years of them coming to Truman and uh, you know going back to Jeff's point should bring a lot of business to the area and really help out the marinas so looking forward to that we'll have more details on that we're going to have a lot of fishing reports and all that kind of stuff up at Truman Lake Fishing Intel ahead of time so if you're wanting to have the best shot best information we'll have it up there at the website to see what's going on in the bass fishing Um, you know, one of the other things I wanted to mention that that happened recently um, around Truman, we had uh, an, a very tragic uh, death recently that has affected uh, just the local community. Bailey Jelinek uh, was unfortunately uh, passed away in a car accident here in the last week. Brad Jelinek uh, is one of the contributors to Truman Lake Fishing Intel. His dad, Joey, has been a guide on Truman forever. Um, Bailey was helping to run Jellyfish USA and was really taking that off and, and, and getting that going really well. So just a really big loss uh, around this area. And so, you know, we just wanted to let everyone know so you could reach out, offer your thoughts and prayers to the Jelinek family. Um, because yeah, life life cut short. Man, I knew Bailey
1: very well. I know um, Joey and Brad and, mm-hmm. and Jason and, and all the Jelineks, um, great folks. And Bailey was one of a kind, man. Mm-hmm. Um, any guys that use the crappie bombs or any of the jellyfish products, um, that's that was the uh, the main man for mm-hmm. that that deal, and uh, he's a great kid and way too young, and and uh,
0: they got God's got big plans for him up there, I'm sure. So. Yep, yep. It uh, that crappie bomb Jeff has used a lot. I've used it with Brad Jelinek. It's a really cool little product and. Um, I mean it's a spoon with a hook on it and I mean you're talking about getting out of snags. snag, it is freaking, it is unreal. You come up on a snag and you're like, oh okay let me just drop that down a little bit, boom, it pops it right out. Basically that, that spoon hits that hook and jars it right out of a snag so when you're dipping brush piles on Truman and dipping trees with all the branches underwater hanging out. Uh, it's a pretty sweet little tool, so, um, but no, we just wanted to let everyone know so you could reach out, offer your thoughts and prayers to them. And, and we'll definitely be thinking about them and, and remembering Bailey for a long time. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of the main fishing stuff I wanted to get to, unless there was anything else you wanted to add. No, I mean, you know, just being out on the water, we've been catfishing
1: quite a bit before Uh all this crappie stuff, you know, and have seen some crazy, crazy
0: yeah fish i was gonna say yeah lake. before we start getting to our next topic i want you to talk because you've had some unbelievable trips here in have, the last couple of weeks have. the last couple of
1: weeks has just been awesome for me um I've, I've got to take not just the quality of the fishing but the, the quality of the people i've got to work hand in hand with uh organizations like mid-missouri youth outdoors um i even got to attend their banquet um and then just some other people that are that are Really close to me and great clients and and uh, everybody's got something going on in their life. And when you get out on a boat and you know you're, there's there's no Chiefs games to talk about. There's nobody likes to talk politics. but You really get to know people and and I've been fortunate to have some of those people out and the quality of fishing while having those people out has just been top notch. Um, when I had the MMYO kids out, we caught a. a Giant fish for Truman Lake, mm-hmm. especially on a rod and reel, um, was a sixty-nine forty <laughs> blue cat, it's 70 pounds basically, um, blue cat on a rod and reel. And um, they just, you know, Mississippi River, uh-huh. Missouri River, those guys, they, they they deal with that on a daily a lot. Those guys catch a ton of big fish. Um, on Truman, you know, we catch 20, 30 pounders regular. We still get excited. I get excited about five pounders, but we still get wound up. But when you catch something like that, that was extreme mm-hmm. and it's something that's going to be burned into my mind. Um, theirs I'm sure. And, uh, but we have, we, it's not, it just does not stop there. The next day I had some guys out real good clients of mine. We caught a 55 pound flathead. Um, the flathead population on Truman for whatever reason, I think the, the blue populations got so high that it's kind of crowded mm-hmm. out some of the flatheads. But you know, the trot liners you guys out there uh, running trot lines you guys catch some great big old flatheads and and uh rod and reel fishing we may catch 15 to 20 a year and that's being out there almost every day mm-hmm. and to catch a 55 plant f- flathead was a special treat and all of them were released mm-hmm. we released all of them back out there to, to catch again so uh, but lots of 20 and 30 and 40 pound fish lots of them. Um, we're getting five to seven overs in a day which Mm -hmm. is over 34 inches Mm -hmm. right now this time of year it takes a 28 pound fish 26 pound fish to to beat that 34 inch mark Um, even we've been weighing some fish we had some fish that was 32 33 inches that were in the slot and weighed them just because they had these big guts and they're Mm -hmm. just healthy and they're floodwater catfish and You know, we're getting 20 to 23 pounds, and they're still slot fish, so um, they're just eating real good, and and the bite's been fun, and it has been probably one of the most memorable marches Mm -hmm. that I can remember. Pretty incredible.
0: That big 70, was that the one that it was kind of wrapped around the tree, Mm -hmm. and he had to really fight it around that thing? We were fishing some structure. I'd
1: side scan down through there, and I seen this fish. We set up on him. But there was a lot of stumps and trees and all that. He was around some structure, but so strategically placing the lines between this stump and this stump or this tree and this stump. And when this fish laid down the rod, of course, it's immediately peeling and drag while it's still in the holder. And, and they're trying to get a hold of him and he's just burning mm-hmm. line. And so I can see the line going down between these two stumps. And this fish starts splashing probably (laughs) 50 yards out in front of the boat. Uh And I'm like, man, this is not good. Because I know he's got that line at a 90 and then back around another tree. And uh, I I tightened the drag down on him a little bit. And I was like, just don't let him run back Mm -hmm. the other direction. Like, Keep him coming. And we were using... uh, I'm working on some of these new rods, and, and we actually caught him on the lighter model rod, which I called the Drifter mm-hmm. um, from Power Catfish. And we caught him on the Drifter, the the prototype. And I said, just keep him coming, like don't let him. Mm-hmm. I tighten the drag down, and he did. And somehow that line held. A, a <laughs> quick prayer. Yeah. And, we got him up, and when he, I said, "It's gonna be a good fish. It's gonna be a real good fish." Yeah. You know, I never anticipated when it surfaced. I was like, "Holy the smokes. Yeah, and, yeah. And I carry a big dip net. I got a Frable Gold uh, dip net that's it's ready for big catfish. And holy mm-hmm. mackerel, man, I I dipped, and the tail's hanging out one side, and the head's hitting the other. And I'm like, "Oh mercy!" And it took a couple of us to pick him up over the side. So it was pretty cool. We yeah. got some quick pictures and and videoed the release and. It's something I'll never forget. That's for sure. That's freaking awesome, man. It happens to a lot of people a lot of times, but here on Truman Lake, it don't happen to right. me enough times. <laughs> right, right.
0: right. Um, well, I was gonna transition to turkey hunting, but I actually I totally forgot. I wanted to ask, Spoonbill. You're, yeah, you don't you don't like to really get out and do it a whole
1: lot. It's not my gig. Um, you know, you guys, you viewers out there that that love it, the people that love it, love it. Yep, and. You know, it, I think it's just like anything else. I love sushi. rest of my family, you know, I got a daughter that likes sushi, and that's about it. Yep. Um, it they're just different. <laughs> they, they smell bad. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they taste bad. Yep. But, um, you know, I got buddies out there that's just been smashing them. Cody uh, Van Atten down at Warsaw is a good buddy of mine, and he is wearing those things. Oh, like. my gosh. And it's, it's an evolution deal to technique mm-hmm. just like crappie fishing yep. with live scope there's guys using live scope out there to catch these spoonbill if you got live scope you've seen a spoonbill yeah mm-hmm. i mean you could actually see the spoonbill and you flip your hook and weight out over it and you reel it back up and you set the hook on it uh, my active target comes in monday we may okay. see how this all plays out yeah i'm not gonna go guide spoonbill <laughs> just because i Man, I can't, I can't turn down my March catfish right. and crappie fishing, but, but the, I mean, I don't know how many there can be.
0: Yeah, I know they're kind of a stocked fish yeah. as well. but. Sure, but seems like there's an awful lot of them the goodness. way Cody catches them. Yes, he's been doing two or three trips a day and limiting out. Every all those guys, one. Anthony Ford, Cody yep. Van
1: Atten, all them, uh, you know, Chad Short, mm-hmm. all them dudes down there that just have not dialed in. Yeah, are crushing them and they they don't do the live scope thing yeah um these guys are pulling dipsy divers Mm -hmm. and and there's technique to that you know right um they they basically cody's got those dipsy divers down at his shop but that's what they use for the weight and they put two hooks above it Mm -hmm. and they have a formula in their brain that how many feet of line i let out Mm -hmm. is how deep that goes down right well, 90% of people are doing this jerk and hope fishing. You see people going down to the river pole. Yep. And they got a 16 ounce sinker, and that sinker hits the bottom, and they let out a bunch of line till that sinker hits the bottom. And then you sweep, and you feel that sinker hit the bottom, and you sweep, and you feel it hit the bottom. And you go down all day long like that, and you just wear yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ain't. I call it jerk and hope. Yep. That's... And these guys are chasing fish that are suspended off the bottom, mm-hmm. and maybe way up high in the water column. And they'll drive around and graph them, and they'll see them at, you know, in 35 feet of water, 20 foot deep, 15 feet off the bottom. And they let out, I don't know the formula off the top of my head, but they let out 75 feet of line. They know that thing's going to go down 20 foot deep. Then they just
0: drag through them and just hammer them. And now they're using reels that tell you how much line. they're Yeah, they got out. line counters on yep. there. Yeah. And they'll put it in a rod holder, set the drag a little
1: loose, mm-hmm. turn the bait clicker on, and then basically troll mm-hmm. and you troll
0: through the school and a rod will just go yep. and, and you got one what's crazy is cody's been telling me that they're not even schooled up that good no he's they're fine he's, he, he describes them as scattered and they're still slamming them yeah like out of control well you're going f- roughly five miles an hour mm-hmm.
1: so you're covering a lot of ground yeah. you're not using your trolling motor or anything you're yep. about five miles an hour you let
0: your line out and you just Take yeah. Take, Take a hang one. Yep. And I, uh, it's crazy. I'd love... I wasn't down on opening day to see, but I'd love to have seen how many boats were there below the 65 bridge. That opening day weather stunk. We did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... Was that coming. right when we were getting that little snow? Didn't we get a little snow right around It was around the that? 15th, so that would have been uh, Monday. Okay.
1: I think. Because we had a little snow here earlier this week. Yeah, that was last Monday, and... I think it was all that rain and crap that was going through. It was awful, but those guys were right at it, man, just catching a fire out of them and there's guys that smoke them and they're okay, you know. Yeah. I don't know, but I I mean, I beat it. There's better there's better
0: out there, but you
1: yeah. some people just think it's morel mushrooms. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, some people don't like morels and that that I can't understand. <laughs> well, that's how spoonbill yeah. people are yeah. with guys like me. Yeah.
1: What is wrong with you? This is awesome.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, Cody. We did a video, uh, a Truman Lake Guide Dinner video where we were talking about recipes, and Cody did say the only about the only way he likes them is smoked. Yeah. Um, but hey, to each their own. So. The only way I like them is bartering them. For something.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or turn them loose so Cody's clients can catch them. Right. I love to catch them. Of course, yeah. I love to catch anything to pull my string. You know? Right. Um, but. I mean, yeah, I mean it's fun to go catch them, but I just soon bend the barbs down. Right. And uh, but you you know you kind of have to keep them if it's a if it's a legal fish. And you, you you're required it, you to keep this. it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know there's not really any catch and release. but mm-hmm. That's what I'd like to do.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, uh, one other little tidbit I wanted to get into. Uh, Fishing below the dam has been pretty good from what I've heard. Now, I don't know about now with the raging water. You have a little bit more expertise. But i would heard that walleye were being caught pretty frequently. In and the some last big week. ones. Yeah. You know, And as they start running water, that's going to get better, which they have started
1: running water. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were running just some in the mornings. But um, now if we can get her cranked up and going. It's typically a February thing, but I guess maybe it's a little behind. I don't know, but guys are really catching some, some nice walleye down there. Um, it's always the same consensus when you talk about going down there to walleye fish. Everybody says, well, I go down and I lose three pounds of weight, you mm-hmm. know, or I lose a hundred jigs or whatever. That's fishing below the dam. <laughs> yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, quarter ounce jig head, uh, chartreuse curly tail, verbally with some orange on it. Mm-hmm. It's great for walleye down there. Uh, long johns, Jean LaRue long johns. Mm-hmm. Uh, work really well for walleye down there so they're starting to catch some yeah be a good time
0: you know The weather's starting to turn around it'd be nice to get down there and catch some yeah 100% so a lot of really exciting things going around Truman right now on the fishing and uh, we'll be talking about that every time we're on and uh, but we got some other stuff going on in the outdoor world uh, the hunting side of things that I'm particularly excited about we are I think, officially less than a month away from opening day of Missouri turkey season. Yep. So, uh, I don't know about- on to count youth season. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, true. No, I don't count that, but- uh, It's coming. It'll be well, here soon, and, and that's one thing that I get pretty amped up. Now, last year, I did more hunting than I have ever done <laughs> uh, for, for turkeys, because I was living in, South, still am living in Southwest Missouri. It got a tag over in Kansas before they actually shut that down where non-residents couldn't. Hunted a lot of public land. Got a public land bird over there. Killed two in Missouri. But, but man, turkey season, I don't know if there's anything better in Missouri when it comes to hunting. Just the excitement. I mean, that is... There's not. That's my that's my number one favorite thing to
1: do. Mm-hmm. I would trade my boat, my ducks, yep. all of them. <laughs> yep. As long as I can turkey hunt.
0: Yeah. Right. If they could gobble all year round, man. And I guess they do a little they bit do of ball, But, man, if you could call them in and, oh,
1: yeah, I'd be doing it I absolutely year. love it. You know, we're not seeing, we're seeing a few strutters around. I actually got a video from a friend of mine over by Columbia this past Tuesday mm-hmm. of a gobbler breeding hen. Really? And I haven't hardly seen any strutters. Um, I had some clients that come down that, uh, some good friends of mine that come down to fish um and they had come down past my house and said there was a couple of strutters out there but i haven't seen them mm-hmm. uh, i don't doubt them i'm just saying i haven't seen yeah um but it's getting time i haven't even heard hardly any birds gobbling but one the wind's been blowing 40 plus miles yeah two it's been raining <laughs> Yep. and three it's been
0: 25 degrees so if yep. i was a turkey i would keep my mouth shut too yep yep 100 percent. i haven't seen any in-person strutting um but got a lot of camera evidence in fact i've got strutting behavior all the way back in january yeah. um but that's a lot of times That just the males being doing yeah. their stupid stuff they become so stupid in the fall it really is kind of actually pretty annoying i can't <laughs> tell you how many turkeys i could have shot and from a tree stand hunting deer I'm like you sons of guns <laughs> like you're never this stupid in the spring yeah. um but uh no we're seeing some strutting activity and uh have not heard any gobbles either, uh, but this is we got to be getting close. I mean, the next week they're going to start going off. I'm kind of excited, you know, for this water to get out of here. I hope they
1: start running this and get it all pulled down and off of some of these bottom grounds. You mm-hmm. know, here in West Central Missouri, where we live, it's a lot of flood ground and some of our most prime turkey hunting ground. Uh, to roll the dice whether it's going to be underwater mm-hmm. or not. You know, those birds have to go to higher ground, and it would be really nice for this water to get off here and that ground to dry out. Um, for these hens to make a nest. I'm thankful that the water didn't come up uh, like the second week of May, Mm -hmm. like it did right Mm -hmm. now. You know, I would rather do it now, get it out of its system, (laughs) and get the water off. And you know, that'll put a little moisture in the ground for those eggs. They have to have a certain amount of moisture and, you know, get this ground warmed up and and back ready for some turkey nests because these turkeys deserve a good nesting year Mm -hmm. um last year you know they might have nested okay but they were molested so bad by by people Mm -hmm. we were overrun with hunters yeah we were one of the only states to stay open Mm -hmm. for non-resident turkey hunting and we were just overrun and it's it's hard on them and so i want this water to get out of here yeah and i want to be able to nest in their typical nesting
0: places right What's your opinion if you bust a hen off a nest, you think she comes back? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the data says so, but a lot of people think that they don't. No, um, she will. Yeah. And bearded hens will, yeah. will hatch nest too. <laughs> yeah, that's always pretty funny. I always get somebody
1: that's like, well, I shot a bearded hen. Normally I wouldn't shoot a hen, but they don't nest anyway. Like, well, okay. <laughs> no, they definitely do. Um, Most people don't realize that a
0: beard is just a, a feather a mutation right right well and what's funny is because i've had a buddy kill a bearded hen and it was like cool for about five seconds and then it's like man there's like <laughs> five pounds of meat at them i don't even know if it was that much to be honest with you i mean you're talking 20 to 25 pound tom here in west central missouri versus at the biggest maybe a 10 or 12 pound hen okay. there's not much there to eat um so that's just one of the primary reasons that I don't ever plan on shooting a bearded hen, maybe in the fall. but.
1: And you know, a client and I was talking the other day, and if you folks aren't keeping your thighs out of your turkeys, yep. and there's even a little backstrap in there, mm-hmm. but if you're not keeping those thighs, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. I 100% guarantee you because I've got a five foot three inch tall, little 110 pound wife. We'll turn that into some turkey and noodles. It
0: is out of this world. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, one of the things, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I made turkey burgers this past spring. Between my dad's two, my three from Kansas and two from Missouri, turned it into turkey burger. And those thighs added a ton to that where we were able to get a lot of burgers. And I'll probably post the recipe somewhere because it was... Sammy took her first bite out of it and she's like... She just stopped and she's like, this might be the best burger ever. <laughs> I'm like, come on now. But it was... It was freaking good. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And it was thigh meat, breast meat, and, uh, you know, pork fat kind of mixed into it. So, uh, But one of the things, what's the recipe that Johnny likes? It's that, like, Italian dressing. He'll cut them into real thin strips. Yep. he
1: does Italian dressing, and then he breads it
0: yep. and fries it. Yep. But he
1: does the Italian dressing before he breads it. Yep. It's really good. I've added that away. Yep. And I tell you, another thing you can do is take that thigh make one cut and that thigh bone comes out mm-hmm. and then you can fan that out. You can pound it out. Cause it is a little bit tough on them. Big yeah. old galbers, but you can tenderize it. Yep. Season it up, put a little Italian dressing on it and grill it
0: and then make some of Miss Mahoney's bruschetta. Yeah, that's right. I'm That'd looking forward to it. it be a hell of a meal. <laughs> um, so when it comes to Turkey, I know you've got some really good stories and you know, best practices and, and all that kind of thing. Um, Public land. I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this, especially when it's over pressured. I mean, what's the chances? I mean, do you recommend people try public land right now? Sure. I mean, absolutely. I highly recommend hunting public
1: land. There's some really good good stuff out there, um, and you know, it's The thing about hunting public land is everybody says, well, you just got to go in a little bit further than the next guy. Mm-hmm. That's A little bit different when you're hunting turkeys than when you're hunting deer. Mm-hmm. If you're hunting deer, that stands true. Yeah, because nobody, you know, some guys don't want to drag one that far, right? When you're hunting turkeys, if he gobbles four miles in there, he's going after it. Right. I don't care who it is, how right. old he is, or how right, how bad shape he's in, right? If he gobbles, he's going after it, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's really not a um, uh, you know, go in a little further than the next thing right. because it's going to happen. Um, uh, to me. The, the, the best key for hunting public land is if you've got a spot that maybe doesn't get a lot of pressure or, you know, you're, you're scouting, you need to roost them. Mm-hmm. But you need to roost them from a distance mm-hmm. um, of an evening or whatever, going in with a coyote call, going in with whatever, uh, and, and roost them from a distance and try not to bump them around. And when you do have them roosted, you get as close as you can absolutely get mm-hmm. to that tree. You can get in there early. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best thing. You know, on private ground you can kind of wait, and everything comes alive and they wake up and he gobbles from a tree and then you can kind of slip in. Mm-hmm. But for public ground, you need to have him roosted for the best best odds. But you, know, you don't want to go in and be stomping all over the place and blow them out when they are trying to roost him. Right. That's a bad, bad deal. Um, the other thing is obviously the safety stuff there's going to be people. You're going to run into people. And when you're working with a bird that's vocal and he's gobbling a lot, there's probably three other people that are hearing that same bird. Mm-hmm. So get as close as you can and try to get him whacked quickly yeah. <laughs> before somebody gets there. Yeah, I never... And maybe it's just our area. I mean, there's a lot of great public land in Missouri, but our area right here in Henry County is saturated. Mm-hmm. Like horribly saturated. And I'm not saying that's bad. I, you know, that's revenue from... Mississippi and Louisiana and Arkansas and wherever all these guys come from, it is revenue. But, um, you know, that it gets a lot of traffic. But scouting is key. Yep. Roost them. Don't mess with the birds. That's one thing. And guys, some guys say, everybody has an opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you the way I feel. It's not right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But some guys think you can do whatever you want to do. Don't go out and call and just make them gobble two right. weeks before season, yeah, right. just to hear them gobble. Right. Um, you know, that. You guys do that and then that bird gets it's just not a good thing Mm -hmm. Um, so don't don't be out there just trying to make them gobble two weeks before season when you're doing your scouting if you're doing your scouting do just like you are during the season slip out there of an evening sit down at the base of a tree listen to them go to roost they're going to gobble one or two times um, and then leave do that every three days or so when season rolls around roosting that night before get in there as mm-hmm. long as the wind don't blow hard don't have any big storms lightning thunder yeah. all that stuff he's going to be right there Yep. Yeah. get as close to that tree as you can get And when his feet hit the
0: ground you want to be there pretty doggone close yeah by. Yep. that was one thing hunting kansas public land i was bow hunting last year and i had the whole place myself as soon as the first day shotgun opened slug gates open. and i got there like at 3 15 or 3 30 in the morning that's crazy thinking that there's no way there's no way this i've not seen another vehicle here even scouting there were two other vehicles there and the one one group wasn't even there uh, in the truck they had already gone in the one group i talked to and they're like yeah we're going right here i'm like that's <laughs> right where i was to them and they, i'm like i i just asked them, you know just me kind of being butthurt i was like have you guys done any scouting they're like no This is our first time getting out, and I'm like, ah! I've been out here every day for three weeks scouting and and bow hunting. Um, I should have killed one before that anyway. I messed up a shot, but regardless, that was, you know, opening day. I'm not saying don't go opening day, but you're gonna have the most amount of pressure. Just kind of. So one of the interesting things you talked about this area being very pressured. for those listening, and I'm not giving away any secrets because there's thousands of acres of this, the, the uh, Ozark National Scenic Riverway down uh, in South Central Missouri. I did a, a hunt there six, seven years ago, and at the time, um, and still actually this holds true, it was the most amount of turkeys I've ever heard gobble anywhere ever, and it was incredible. We were there in the middle of the second week of season, Floating down the river, smallmouth fishing and turkey hunting, waiting for them to gobble. When you hear one, you get up, go. And we did not see another soul in the woods. And it was the middle of the second week. So that's just one of those things that it kind of got me thinking, like, man, you know, everyone hits it hard that first week. If you can figure out how to go in the middle of the week and maybe the second week... uh, Spent the Ozark National Scenic Riverway, if you haven't, if all you've done is hunt the core ground around Truman, and you're tired of dealing with pressure, there's, I believe, over 14,000 acres down there that you can go hunt. It might be actually substantially more than that. But it was, if I hadn't missed, I would have had one down there. <laughs> so... Uh, just throwing another option out there there's a ton of land obviously around Truman as well um, but to Jeff's point even on our private land here um, now this helps a lot now that we invested a lot in the cell cameras and kind of being able to have those pictures come straight to our phones knowing where they're at what they're doing so I don't have to go in there and check cameras but <clears throat> we basically try to stay out of the area completely um, it kind of like when it comes to killing a big deer you don't want human pressure in there messing them up. Yep. Um, so, and I know that can be hard to do, especially when mushrooms start popping in <laughs> early to mid-April. So, um, but anyway, so this is a couple of things that we do. I've had, I've got a spot in our place and what I've always thought about this, because Stephen Ronello talks about it in one of his episodes of Meat Eater, where he's like, you know, decades go by and, you know, generations go to the same spot to hunt elk out in Colorado. And there's still elk doing elk things in the mm-hmm. same spot. Mm-hmm. Turkeys are doing turkey things in the same spot year after year after year. And I'm gonna go kill on an open day, like I have done for the last five years in the spot. Yeah. I can almost guarantee it, done it five years in a row. Yeah. And they're just there. And the reason they're there is you don't freaking bother them like you said ahead of time. You just maybe sneak in late one evening, set up a blind, couple weeks before season it's typically what I like to do and uh or you know if you don't hunt from a blind you know whatever but uh when I have, to have a camera and a gun and all that I try to be concealed as much as possible but that would be my advice is just staying keeping the human pressure down especially if you're on private land public land there's not a lot you can do about that but um anyway what uh before we oh because I want to talk about mushrooms here a little bit but I wanted to hear maybe one or two of your favorite turkey hunting stories I know mm. you've got a lot of them I do I do you know my favorites
1: are always the wife and kids uh-huh. obviously um, they all kind of tell their own story I'll, I mean I'll tell one recent just this past spring really super cool hunt with Madison mm-hmm. uh, you know we've, we were on a good friend of mine's place uh, behind his house he'd been watching this bird and he said Jeffy's there every day mm-hmm. uh, you know he's, he's got to be not roosting far y'all ought to get in after him mm-hmm. so we go we go back there and he's got some round bales in rows and then there's mm-hmm. just a little bitty corner in this this pasture and these are big giant hills and we're on one hill we get in there and we go down and there's you know we didn't i'm gonna set against a round bale mm-hmm. obviously cause it's not gonna look good so we kind of slid between two rows of those round bales and she's got her gun rested on top of round mm-hmm. bale so we look like two little prairie dogs right up. right well this bird is roosted we're on one hill goes down a big valley and there's a little grass in front of us and he's roosted right here in this valley Mm -hmm. and we're on this hill so we're eye level with him right he's in the top of a tree but but he's right here yeah and he's not 75 yards from us and so he gobbles on the roost seven thousand times and a hen flies down (laughs) in the pasture we're in and she comes right up beside us and we're kind of there and we have a decoy out in front of us and finally he flies down he blows up and strut i know he can see these decoys and he just stands out there strutting she's like she says dad call him over here <laughs> and i'm like we're not gonna make a sound like right. he knows right they're there like he can see the decoys from the tree so finally he breaks and he comes up to the fence where these round bales are stacked against and she's got her gun laying here and he's coming down the fence and he gets right even with us our decoys are out in front of us he gets right even with us Well, now she can't see him because he's one round bale's width away. Oh, my God. But he's on the other side. And I'm (laughs) standing next to her, so I'm looking down on top of his head. (laughs) And and she's trying to creep up. And I'm like, I grab her shirt right here and just kind of holding her down, you know. Because I know he's going to turn and walk out to those. And he did. He turned and he walked directly away (laughs) out to our decoys. What a freaking sight. And and I I told her, I said, when he turns around. Mm Mm-hmm and he turns around and gets up i had a i had a higdon breeder out with a jake there Mm -hmm. and he gets up on top of my breeder and of course pulls his head up sticks his wings down Mm -hmm. and she rolls him. Mm -hmm. and uh it was probably it's her biggest bird by far and one of the biggest birds i've been a part of Mm -hmm. in a long time yeah and so um that's that's just from the past season and natasha killed a really great bird the last day of season um, on a farm where just talked to the farmer, and he's been seeing quite a few, mm-hmm. so we're really stoked to get back over there. Mm-hmm. But every turkey hunt, there's not too many of them. I can't remember, right? You know, I mean, I mean, they all mean something. Yeah. Um, last year, me and two of my very, 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 good, they're family mm-hmm. from down in Louisiana. They, uh, me and Drake and Drayton, we actually tripled. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god! We scouted the night before. I went to this spot. It's public ground. Oh. I went to this spot. The night before, and me and Drayton, I said, I know there's a bird in here. I want to go see when we can roost him. So we go in. We actually walk up on mm. these four gobblers, just feeding mm. by themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. We we lay on our bellies, and we're sneaking out, and we get far enough where we get up. We take off running, you know. <laughs> and so we, we get in this tree line, and we sit down, and, and we're not even camouflaged. Right. We were just kind of scouting, and they weren't where they were supposed to be. And so we're sitting there. And turkeys keep walking out, like, right to us. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man. And hens. Yeah. And they fly off and this and that. I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. So we sit, and we're like, let's just get out of here. They're going to roost here somewhere because mm-hmm. it's it's pretty late in the evening. So we leave. We get there early the next morning. We're the first truck there. We're like, yeah, this is awesome. We slip in there, and they're roosting, like, 300 yards away mm-hmm. from where we was. And I was like, gosh, darn it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're already set up, so we're staying. So we start calling, and they're hammering, hammering, hammering. We hear them fly down, and they're coming. And they come right straight to us. And uh, the plan was one, two, three, boom. Yeah, (laughs) that's always the plan. But they're all four in a line coming, and they're all 10 yards apart. Two's in a strut, two's not in a strut. It's kind of one of those deals. Well, our decoys are like seven yards away. And one gets up in the decoys, and we're like, "Uh uh-oh. And the others are just standing there looking, and we're like, man. So we told Drake, he's like, just shoot one. Mm -hmm. So he shoots, boom, he kills one. I shoot, boom, I kill one. Drake shoots, boom, he kills one. (laughs) (laughs) So we got three of them. Oh, my
0: gosh. (laughs) Uh, that last so one was pretty is, cool he was counting he stood there <laughs> yeah. oh he did. Yeah. there yeah oh my God! Yeah. if somebody been with us we'd have
1: cleaned the whole place out oh my goodness that is a hell of a hunt yeah it was fun it was really super cool and I I usually kill one bird a year just cause I love to take people mm-hmm. and that was my one bird for the season yeah I, I usually always kill one bird a year yeah and, and uh I don't know I just I don't love it yeah I was a part of I was a I was a
0: call to 14 of them mm-hmm. last year um that we got but you you probably got to be in the hundreds that you've called a lot yeah yeah, a pile and back
1: in 01 i killed one that had eight beards on it with over 64 inches oh my that
0: did you have that officially like entered it because that would have been a record
1: book turkey yeah so a guy measured it for nwtf and it was at one time it was 10th in the world and in the state but I think it's been moved yeah. now Yeah. Um, but that was at that time Bass Pro actually purchased it from me and it was yeah. in Springfield for a long time yeah
0: now. wow that's freaking yeah. awesome I don't know it seems like I don't know if you could say like after you get done with every turkey hunt it's like man that's my favorite turkey hunt Like it, even like, if I don't get one
1: yeah I, lo- I lose so much sleep during turkey season and not because I get up early it's because it's better than Christmas Mm -hmm. especially when I got one roosted right I'm like man when we go to bed and I wake up every 30 minutes like is it time yet is it time yet is it time yet is it time yet or I'm worried don't oversleep don't oversleep don't oversleep you know I I lose so much sleep but there is nothing else like it I've never been elk hunting you guys viewers listeners out there that elk hunt everybody tells me the same thing like if you love turkey hunting man you really love elk hunting and one of these days maybe I'll get to go but there's nothing else like turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we vocalize with ducks and geese and stuff like that, and they
0: put on a show, but it's not like turkey hunting. Yeah, I <laughs> you know. I'll tell you, uh, Sammy and I have been together for five years, and I've had a lot <laughs> of awesome turkey hunts, and they're always when she's not with me. Yeah. <laughs> so that whenever I do finally get her one, and I think that'll probably be a really uh, rewarding deal. We've come so close on several occasions, and... Uh, It's gonna. Hopefully, this year will be the year. Natasha's killed a good handful.
1: Um, It's always a lot of work, Mm -hmm. man. It seems like I wear her little legs out, you know, getting it done. But um, it's just because I'm hitting hard. Because I wanted to get one. (laughs) You you know what I mean? I don't give up easy. Right. You know, and she doesn't get a lot of time to hunt Mm -hmm. with work. And the last day of season last year, and it was ten thirty. We went on a hunt that I thought was gonna be a chip shot. Had these two birds pegged, roosted, everything. Everything was good um they come out we had a trespasser come through Mm. and so it blew our morning and we tried to get on some others and it didn't work Mm -hmm. and so at 10 30 i said let's go drive past this one farm we hunt and if there's a bird strutting out there we'll try to get on them and sure enough there was one gobbler and one hen Mm. and i'm talking in a 300 acre wide open pasture and they were out there and so there was a little spot we could slip around and I had my fan with me, mm-hmm. and, and I'm I'm not big on like crawling out to him, but I'll use it if I can get his attention and get him gobbling mm-hmm. and show it to him. Yeah, and let him come. That's what I like to do, and yeah. that's what we did. We got in position, we got set up, and I was kind of on the knee, had the fan up, called, got him hammering, got him hammering. Actually, his him come up, we boogered her; she yeah. took off. Yeah, and he come. He was just so infatuated with that deal that he come up to the fence come through a fence come just running right up to us you know and she rolled him and that she's done that twice now Mm -hmm. once we were laying on our bellies (laughs) and we pulled into a a spot and the the farm drive come in and it dropped over like a little hill yeah and i walked up about 15 feet in front of the truck and i could see a fan about 75 yards down this hill on the farm yeah yeah and i was like oh no so i dropped down i crawled back to the truck I said, get your gun yeah. and give me that. And so we we literally started at the truck. Madison's sitting in the truck watching. Mm-hmm. And we crawl up from the truck thirty yards, uh-huh. and we're in the road. And I raise up and I call, and he gobbles. And I call, and he gobbles. And I slowly raise up, and she's laying on her belly right here. And he sees it, and stretches up real big, and comes running. So I just get back down on my belly. I'm like, he's coming. (laughs) And she can't see him. And I'm like, just keep your gun pointed. And he just comes running, 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 running. And she shoots him at like eight feet. Oh, my God. (laughs) And Madison's sitting in the truck watching. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's really freaking cool. It's pretty I've got, man, so many stories just. Yeah. We've been blessed in the turkey woods. And I had a super cool hunt with Johnny Everhart one time that he was going to film. Took the camera and everything. He got it on film. And as soon as it was over, I was like, you know, I'm yeah! yeah, you know, and I was like, you got it. He's like, oh, I got it. You ain't going to like it. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah. He said, I was leaning on everything I knew to lean on. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, got to have that old tripod up there. So yeah, it's, it's that's freaking awesome, man. Um, I'll the one story I'll tell and this happened last year, and it was that public land bird, which I've killed two public land birds. But man, because I've always had private farms to go to. And, but I just was like, you know what? I want to kill a public land bird. And it was over in Kansas. And as I told you, I mean, I scouted from the beginning of March till you could freaking start hunting. Yeah. And, you know, after messing up the shot on the one, I mean, I was really bummed out. That was like opening day of archery, like s- literally first hour came strutting in. I just miffed it. Um, but I'd been scouting these, uh, the uh there's a bunch of like duck areas that's uh-huh. primarily for duck hunting, parts of them you can't even hunt on. But during turkey season, you can hunt. you got to use steel shot or tungsten, non-lead stuff. And I had been scouting this place, and no one had been there. (laughs) No one. Like, not ever. And this river ran through it, kind of snaking through. And there's this one bird ahead of shotgun season. He was on that little peninsula on the inside of it, gobbling. Every day, sometime between 1 and 4 p.m. over in Kansas, you can hunt all day. Yeah. I really like that. I, I Which of Missouri, would go that way? There's <laughs> mixed opinions. Anyway, so second day of shotgun season comes around. I the opening day was a bust because everybody there's too much people where I w- was hunting over in the Mineland Wildlife Area in southeast Kansas. And so went the second day and drove up there, <clears throat> not a car in sight. I go in there, sure enough, freaking a there he's got one. Now I went in on the inside. Where I was like, he was on that little peninsula. And I, I'm like, that's where he can be. When he gobbled, it sounded like he was over on the other side of the river. <laughs> and he gobbled five times. And I, I was convinced. And it was real windy. I was convinced he was on the other side of the river. So I backed out, got to my truck, drove around. Took 20 minutes to get all the way out and around. Yeah. Got back in. Snuck in where I thought I heard him. And he gobbled again over on the other side of the river. And I was like... You gotta be kidding me! Now that was an elevated position, so I'm not saying maybe he couldn't have flown down. Right. Um, but I got to that elevated position, and Colin and he was hot. He freaking came right to the river's edge, and I had crawled, belly crawled, and I, the leaves are so dry, like he could actually hear it, and he was going nuts just <laughs> hearing the leaves because he thought it was the hen. Uh-huh. And finally, I crawled up to the edge, and it was still it was probably a little too far of a shot it was about 45 50 yards i was using those three inchers and uh i hit him i rolled him and he for- I was like okay he's done then he gets up and starts running mm. <laughs> fired two more shots nothing and i was like you gotta be kidding me i just blew my chance again on a public land bird." so i go back out go all the way back around and i was using that on x app and I just slowly walked around that peninsula, like not making a sound, seeing if I could, because I've done this before, unfortunately, where I've wounded a bird like that, and they walk off, but they're hurt, and yeah. they won't go far. Yeah. And I've been able to sneak around on them and get them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I walk all around this peninsula. It's almost a mile long of just kind of grid searching around. <laughs> and I get back to almost where I started, and I'm looking at my phone, and I look up. And there's a tom standing, standing from me to the wall. It's like six yards in this little watering hole. And he was all tucked over. You could just tell he was... Yeah. It was my tom. Yeah. And he was literally just sitting there in the water. Just hurt. Just sitting there. And uh, I was so close. I had to back up, sidestep around. And his head was down like between his wings. And he finally I had to make some noise to get him to raise his head. And I was like at 10 yards. And... <laughs> He, I see that look in his eyes. Like, oh, it's over. Boom, <laughs> and, and I mean, it was him. I mean, it yeah. was absolutely without a doubt him. And I just, a, I couldn't believe I pulled that off after <laughs> I messed up the shot. It's not the way I wanted to do it. Um, but that was to have done the scouting and know that bird was in there. Luckily, not have competition uh and somehow pull out the miracle after making a a bad shot pretty rewarding yeah a hundred percent so that was the the public land the public land victory but there were several close calls southeast kansas has got quite a few birds so yeah. um, well, turkey season's just one of those things if you have a chance to get a kid out man there's nothing
1: that will get a person hooked on the outdoors oh my gosh like a good turkey hunt no. and uh you know for a kid it's there's a lot of learning there's learning how to be still and learning how to be quiet, yep. you know, uh, if you're ground blind hunting, you can do the snacks and all this stuff mm-hmm. in there. But you know, if you're running gun hunting, that's how my kids learn. I mean, yep. we haven't, we haven't killed five turkeys out of a ground blind. We have yeah. run and gun and you got to learn to be still and you got to learn to, you know, hold your gun up. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, wear your arms out wear your knees out sometimes you sit in a position where you go to stand up and you fall over yep
0: i had that happen you gotta you learn how to sit right where i mean your butt still starts falling asleep and hurting and you just kind of power through
1: it there's some good products out there now that's making some of that a little easier i've been looking at the knights hunting products hands-free turkey vest which Mm. is pretty sweet they've got a deal that goes on your knee that swivels to lay your gun on then it's got a strap up here on your shoulder strap that the butt of your shotgun goes in so Mm. Literally, you can have your hands free, your gun's on your knee, the butt's in the, right there, and, um, but a lot of good things for a kid to learn, be, you know, safety, obviously, um, and, you know, the scouting part, and then the, the rewarding feeling of calling something and interacting with wildlife, and then being successful, and the table fairs. That's
0: a pretty cool little product. I mean, you're probably sitting there like me, you got a mouth call, I've got a lot of times a slate call Mm -hmm. sitting in my lap, and, um, that's, I'm... Have to look into it. It's those. pretty neat, yeah. yeah. Night nice hunting products, really cool. Hands free turkey vest, yeah. Well, we'll kind of end on this, but you know, turkey season isn't the only thing that people are gonna be out in the woods looking for here in the next few weeks. We've got mushroom season, yeah. Yep. Yep. Morel, some people are already starting to
1: find some red ones, Yep. The, the false morels, yep. Um, I eat a few of them, I don't, I'm not gonna tell you to eat them. Um, they are poisonous if not prepared, uh, yeah. But... I, I eat some of them have since I was a little bitty old kid I'm not gonna say I eat my weight in them mm-hmm. I like two or three messes before the morels come up I um, really like them for
0: breakfast with eggs and sausage patties mm-hmm. but, uh, but they're starting to find a few of the red false morels and I've seen so there's a if you're in Missouri there's a Facebook group it's like Missouri confirmed finds or uh, Missouri morel mushroom hunting and they actually it's all legit. Like, you have to have a receipt taken next to the picture to verify the date. They've already found some singles, southwest Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, but what around here, I mean, what's your experience on when you start really seeing them pop up? So, as soon as we start getting some nights in a row that are over 50 degrees. Uh-huh. Um,
1: nights over 50 in a row. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't have one and then three off and then right. one. Um, we start getting three, four, five nights in a row that stay up over 50 degrees.
0: Yeah, it's on, especially after a rain maybe seventy degree days. We got plenty of moisture. <laughs> yeah, we got enough moisture to last till August. Yeah, but uh, we get those nights over fifty. That's that's what it is. Warm nights. So one thing that I learned from uh, our neighbor Jake Tonsfeld here last year and you know i just go wandering and looking i hadn't <laughs> i hadn't really put rhyme or reason or thought into strategically finding the mushrooms um other than occasionally finding them by a dead elm or you know right. noticing that kind of stuff but we really started finding a lot of them late season last year like mm-hmm. end of april first couple days of may um and it was on north facing slopes we went over to tonderosa and we're finding them and and Jake was like, don't even bother looking on the south-facing slopes. North-facing slopes where the leafy matter... Now, there's a lot of cold dumps around here, so stay on those north-facing slopes uh, late in the season and where the leafy matter is kind of intermittent where you could see some bare dirt in mm-hmm. with the moss. And sure enough, like, spot on. that We found a ton on that pattern. And it just... I started... As soon as we did that, I went over to our place, started looking in places I'd never looked, boom, started finding them. Yeah. Um, Found them in cedar thickets. Found them in hedgerows. I mean, yeah. you can freaking find them anywhere. But yeah, a lot of people say every year it's a little, you know it's a
1: different kind of tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it seems like every year you find them around whatever. Yeah, say, at
0: some point in time in the year. I don't know if there's anything to it about you know having a mesh bag you know that you carry them with, but um, I mean I do. Uh, it just kind of depends. Um, I like I have this large soft sided cooler bag that I've been using that. I think takes care of them a little bit better as you're walking along, but you know, I don't know that that really matters, but I have noticed there's some spots in our place where you'd find several hundred one year yeah, and then done. Mycelium is a funny thing, mm-hmm. which which is what a morel mushroom
1: spawns from, it's like right. a spider web just under the surface, and and the, the mushroom is actually the fruit that comes off of that mycelium, mm-hmm. and, and uh yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know if the onion sacks or anything like that or, or transfer any spores. Right. But, but we all do it. Right, yeah. right,
0: right. So, anyway, um, really looking forward to that. I mean, for us, uh, that April 10th to April 15th time frame has traditionally, right here in west central Missouri, where where my farm is at, is a little northwest of Clinton, uh, that April 10th to April 15th is about the earliest that we will start to find some. So. Yeah kind of varies wherever you're at in the state but there's a little rule of thumb for for at least what we've noticed on our places so um we'll be we'll be talking about it a lot more coming up the hell we might by the time we launch our next episode we might have found some potentially that'll be the first thursday of the. that'll be the thursday yep. before the youth weekend yep the turkey season so. yep so but no that's that uh you know that's Everything we wanted to cover today, Jeff. I wasn't sure if you wanted to add anything else, but uh, we're looking forward to doing a lot more of these. No, nope. I uh, will try to keep you updated on what's going on on the lake. Be sure to watch
1: Truman Lake uh, Fishing Intel and and um, like and share this. We're gonna do this monthly until it blooms into something more. Yeah. I mean, if it if uh, there's enough going on that we need to do it twice a month, by golly, we'll do that. Yeah. So for now, we're gonna do it the first
0: Thursday of every month. Yep. It will be launching it. You guys are probably watching this video on Facebook and YouTube. It'll be on the Endless Season uh, Guide Service Facebook yep. page. It'll be on the Truman Lake Fishing Intel YouTube page as well as all of our websites. But you can find the audio version as well on iTunes and Uh, Spotify, some of those, all the big places where you can find podcasts, you can find the audio version as well and listen to it there. So if there's something you'd like for us to mention or dig into,
1: make sure you comment on that post or shoot us a message either way, or if there's a product or something that you'd like
0: us to talk about here on the show, just let us know. Absolutely. Well, until next time, guys, I'm Tyler Mahoney. And I'm Jeff Falkenberry. And we'll see you on the next one.